So will there be restaurants in heaven is not an answer I'm going to be able to give you this morning. Last time I preached, I uh, talked about the judgment day. And so um, today I want to talk about what comes next for believers. Heaven, our eternal home with the Lord. And just to be clear up front, I'm not talking about the place where Christians go when they die. Uh, We call that heaven also, or paradise. The Bible calls it heaven or paradise. That heaven is actually not our eternal home. It's an intermediate place. It's a wonderful place where we will be with the Lord. But it is not the final destination. Our final destination is in the new earth. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. And I also call that heaven. We also call that heaven. What is life on the new earth going to be like? Is it going to be like nothing we've ever seen before? Will it really feel like home? Will we actually enjoy it? Is God really going to spend time with us? So my goals this morning with this message is is to try to answer some of these questions, or at least talk about them. Um, Also, I want us to be reminded of the incredible goodness of God and that his desire is to create a place for us and, and then to come down and live with us in that place. And then a third goal is just for us to have a, a new eagerness for uh, life in the new earth or our eternal home. God does want us to look forward to these things. It's hard to look forward to something you can't wrap your mind around at all. Uh, I can't wrap my mind around the common perception of heaven that is out there in society, which is, you know, saints floating on fluffy clouds and strumming their harps. It's hard to look forward to something like that. But what we see in Revelation 21 and 22, it's still just a glimpse, but it's a glimpse of something that looks real and solid and not puffy, and something we can look forward to. So I'm going to be reading from Revelation 21. This will be a a large reading this morning of Scripture. 21, all of 21, and then the first part of 22. And um, I'd like you, as you follow along, uh, to be looking for some of these glimpses of what life will be like in the new earth, there are some clues we get, some glimpses we get in this passage. Does the passage mention a mountain? Will there be mountains in the new earth? Does it mention trees? Edible fruit? Does it mention time passing? When the roll, when the roll is caught up yonder, time shall be no more, right? Does the Bible actually say that? Uh, City dwellers. Does it talk about city dwellers? Does it talk about non-city dwellers? What about rulers and nations and service? And is there even a hint of productive activity and maybe work? So I think you'll see some of these things as we read this. I'll start Revelation 21, and we'll read all the way through Revelation 22, verse 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth Sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings, kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, 
but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Okay, so here's what we're going to do this morning. There's a lot in this passage that we uh, won't get into. We don't have time for, or I don't know the answers to the questions or whatever. But so I'm going to focus on just five different things that we have to look forward to in our eternal home. Five different things we can look forward to. <clears throat> so the first thing that we can look forward to is that this eternal home will be a place that feels like home. Why did John call what he saw a new earth? If John had seen the surface of Jupiter or Venus or Mars or something metaphysical like a wheel in a wheel, he wouldn't have called it a new earth. So I believe John saw something he, he recognized like mountains and trees and rivers and flowers. And he said, this is earth, but it's new. It's a new earth. Totally new, totally perfect. So our eternal home is going to feel like home. It's going to feel familiar, good and familiar. And I fully expect to, to walk in a meadow and smell a certain sweet smell that... I remember smelling that it'll, it'll take me back to a cabin in West Virginia where my, my folks used to take us when we were kids, and there was this certain smell there. I don't know what it is, some mountain spicy, grassy, I don't know, mountain meadow smell, by which I measure all other smells. I expect to smell that. And I expect to hear spring peepers and Carolina wrens and bullfrogs. I don't believe God is going to take the blueprint that he had for, for the original creation and just rip it up, throw it in the trash, and, and start over and come up with a brand new blueprint. There are going to be some things that will be different, for sure. But in general, I don't think he's just ripping up the blueprint and starting. There was nothing wrong with the blueprint. There was nothing wrong with the plan. It was actually perfect. He's fixing what we messed up and completing the project. I have an illustration here I brought with me this morning. This is not a perfect illustration, but hopefully it'll communicate something. <clears throat> this here is, is Grayson's uh, baby blanket. My mom crocheted it uh, when Grayson was on the way, and she made it for him with him in mind, right? And she did a good job, and it was perfect when she was done with it. And you can see it's blue, and it was soft, and he loved it. 
there was nothing wrong with the, the design or, or the implementation. It was good. Unfortunately, uh, when Grayson was a little guy, I don't know if you can see, but um, yeah, he had, a, he had a habit of sticking his toes in the holes and pooling. So eventually, this blanket broke down in a major way. Now, he's still sentimental of it and, and fond of it, and if I wanted to do something special for him, I might someday say, we're going to fix this. I don't know that that's even possible, but let's just pretend it is. I wouldn't go and if I said, we're going to fix this and make this the way it ought to be, I wouldn't go and toss this in the trash and go buy him a tablecloth and say, here you are. Enjoy your tablecloth. Instead, I would try to get this thing repaired back to the way it was supposed to be in the beginning. There was nothing wrong with the blueprint. There was nothing wrong with the plan. It just needed to be set right the way it was supposed to be, completed, in fact, when we're talking in terms of, of the new earth. <clears throat> so I don't think God is going to throw away the old earth and give us something totally foreign and different. The new earth is going to be a wonderfully familiar place. Why wouldn't it be? It's what God designed for us originally. And so my assumption is that any of the, of the good things that were in God's original creation will also be in the new creation, unless we're told otherwise. There are some things that will be different. There won't be marriage between men and women. There won't be a temple. There may not be oceans like we have now. That's one of the questions I'm not going to try to chase down and answer this morning. But otherwise, if they were good and they were there in the beginning, my assumption is they will be there in the new earth. Uh, I can't promise you that there will be cats in heaven. But there were cats in the original creation. They aren't inherently evil, and I'm expecting them in the new creation. Um, in fact, there are passages like Isaiah 11 and 65 that talk about the lion eating straw like an ox. The lion, of course, is a large cat. Those, you know, the, that prophecy may have more than one application. I think it probably applies to the new earth also. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and our eternal home is going to feel like home because it was made with us in mind. That's the first point. First thing we have to look forward to about it. The second thing we have to look forward to is deliverance from fear and evil. <clears throat> what do we fear now? Well, we fear pain and sorrow and death and the curse, the effects of the curse, the effects of sin, temptation. We live in a, a broken and dangerous world. But this world, as we know it, will someday be gone forever, and, and Satan and his followers will have been cast into the lake of fire. The curse will have been removed, and the effects of the curse, including our own brokenness, will be removed. All of this will be behind us forever. And when God says it is done in chapter 21, verse 6, he means it's done, and that means done forever. He, he won't have to come back and do a second cleanup or, or um, fix what he missed the first time around. It will be done. For a lot of us, worry and fear have, have been a big part of our lives. It's just kind of a reality of life on, 
on earth. <clears throat> Whether it's car trouble or back trouble or marriage trouble or church trouble. But it's not the way things were supposed to be. God did not create a world full of, of death and pain and evil and, and say, this is very good. He, didn't, he, he wouldn't have done that. He didn't do that. So can you imagine days without worry and sorrow? And maybe you can. If you think back to your childhood, you can probably think of some times when you were out chasing fireflies in a summer evening or something like that, and you didn't have anything to worry about except maybe your bedtime. And, and when we see children maybe playing like that or having a carefree time, isn't there a part of us that says, this is the way it's, it was meant to be. This is the way it should be. That's how it will be someday. We will experience complete deliverance from fear and evil. Number three, the third thing we have to look forward to is complete healing. Chapter 21, verse 4 tells us there will be no more pain or death or sorrow. This is closely connected to the previous point. Pain, death, and sorrow means there will be emotional, physical, and mental healing with those things gone. God himself wipes away our tears. There will be physical healing. Uh, you will have a physical body in heaven. It's my belief. Jesus had a physical body after his resurrection. Jesus told his disciples, I'm not a spirit like you think I am. I have. Uh, spirits don't have flesh and bones like I have. Now, just to address a counterpoint over in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul does say, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. But then in that same chapter, he goes on and says, we're going to have a spiritual body. Now, body is something physical. So one, one writer says that's kind of an oxymoron, a spiritual body. But it is a body of some kind. It's, it's, it's going to be, I think he's talking about a transformed body that will not, that will be freed from corruption. It will be incorruptible. Our bodies will be transformed like Jesus was, like Jesus was, Philippians 3.21. <clears throat> now, some of you, as we were reading, might have noticed this in chapter 22, something that might have bothered you a little bit. It talks about the trees, of the leaves of the tree of life. There have to be at least two trees. I think there's probably many. The leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. Now, what does that mean if there's no sickness in heaven? There can't be sickness in heaven or it wouldn't be a perfect place. So here are a few options. <clears throat> and maybe I should point out first, the were in that sentence is, is an added word to make the sentence English grammatically correct. There is no were in the Greek. But we need to have it there so the sentence makes sense. The leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. So here's a couple options. One option is it's talking about a, a one-time event that somehow these leaves of the tree of life previously played a role in the nations being healed as death and sorrow and pain were banished forever. So it was a one-time thing. Those, those leaves, they were, they were for that. They were part of that healing. 
another option is that it's, it is talking about something ongoing, but it's not talking about healing from sickness. It's talking more about some kind of enrichment or benefit that, that we can get from the leaves of the tree of life. Um, the word healing can also mean something more like health-giving, not so much healing from sickness, health-giving. So maybe there is some kind of nourishment or enrichment or benefit. Maybe they're caffeinated, that the, the, these leaves of the tree of life can give us in heaven. And the third option is it's just something we haven't thought of. But I am sure that there will not be any sickness in heaven. We will have incorruptible Bodies. They won't get sick and go downhill just like Jesus' body won't. So your knee isn't going to ache when you run. You won't have runner's knee anymore. Some of us are looking forward to that. You can eat cake and not check your blood sugar. You won't need flu shots. There'll be complete healing in heaven. <clears throat> Point number four, there will be fulfilling activity in this eternal home. Will there be anything to do in our eternal home? How many of you, maybe especially when you were younger, were worried that heaven is going to be boring? I think a lot of us have worried about that. that there won't be anything to do. Well, the sh short answer is it, it won't be boring. This is kind of a joke because there's no tears in heaven. That includes no tears of boredom. But there, in our passage, we see some suggestions of activity. Uh, for one thing, we see something that looks like coming and going in, the new, in and out of the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is a big city. The uh, 15,000 furlongs or stadia, not sure if that is the perimeter of the city or if it's one side of the city. If it's one side of the city, that would be about 1,400 miles. It'd be, that means the New Jerusalem would be over half the size of Australia. That's a big city. If it's the perimeter, then each side would be around 375 miles wide. That's still a very large city. But the city has gates, three on each side. And gates mean coming and going. Otherwise, there'd be no point in having them. Uh, there's a whole world out there for us to enjoy. If it were not so, why would God have bothered to create it? So that's an activity coming and going. There will be, uh, the rest of these come from chapter 22, if you're looking for these in, in your reading. Uh, there will be worshipful service. It says his servants shall serve or worship him. We were made to worship and serve God. And even on earth, Worshiping and serving God can be a very fulfilling activity. It will be even more so in heaven. Then there's this thing about reigning, which I don't totally understand. But it says they shall reign forever and ever. And this isn't the only place in the Bible that talks about the saints having a future reigning with Christ. Now, reigning is closely related to the idea of having dominion. In the first creation, mankind was given the commission to have dominion over the earth. And um, I believe that's going to be fulfilled in the new earth and probably will involve some meaningful work. Furthermore, you saw kings and nations, didn't you? There are kings and nations. If there are kings, there will probably be other positions of leadership in the new earth. In Luke's record, and that, of course, involves activity, leadership. 
in Luke's record of the parable of the talents, of course, this is a, a parable, but I think it indicates that it's, yeah, he's, he's portraying a truth here. The faithful servants weren't given just a plaque or a trophy and then told to, you know, go enjoy their days of retirement. They were actually put in charge of cities, and that's activity. Finally, I see something that looks like production, where it talks about they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. So that's obviously an activity, bringing the glory and honor of the nations into the New Jerusalem. But what is this glory and honor? Where does it come from? To me, it sounds like something that is produced or collected or whatever, something that's brought by the nations. To me, it sounds like some sort of industry, production. So these are just some glimpses, but to me, I see meaningful activity in heaven. What about fun, though? Will we get to have fun in heaven? Or will we be so spiritual we won't even care about not having fun? <clears throat> now, so, I'm sorry if this sounds a little frivolous, but um, I, I, I just want to go down this road because some of us honestly think about these things. I think Adam and Eve had fun before the fall. It wasn't something that came with the fall. Fun wasn't created with the fall. And even now in a, in a messed up world, um, we can enjoy healthy God-honoring fun. In fact, you can have fun and in the middle of it even thank God for the enjoyable time you're having. He is the one who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And I don't see why he would give us some of these things in the old earth, but not in the new earth. So I expect us to have activities we enjoy, whether it's uh, basketball or gardening or painting or music. And I don't think we're all going to love the same thing. I think there'll be some differences in personality. Um, I don't think it would be like God to make us all have exactly the same personality and enjoy exactly the same things in the new earth. You notice the city wall foundations had, just them had, had uh, 12 different kinds of gems on them. So there's some variety in this world, of course, it's easy to make an idol out of recreation, but that won't happen in heaven. There will be plenty of fulfilling activity in heaven. And I think there, worship and work and fun will not feel like so much like they're different things. Okay, point number five, the, what we have to look forward to most about our eternal home is what I'm going to call the full presence of God. Is God really going to spend time with me and pay attention to me in heaven? A good starting place for this question is, well, does he now? We heard this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 139 says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. He goes on to say, where can I go from your presence? And basically, no matter where he goes, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In Hebrews, we have the promise from God, I will never leave you or forsake you. So does God pay attention to us and spend time with us now? Yes, he absolutely does. And if that's true now, 
that will certainly be true in heaven. The difference, the big difference is what um, we will see him and experience him in a, at a whole nother level in the new earth. It's not that God suddenly cares for us more in the new earth than he does now. He will care for us just as much, but we will see and experience him on a whole new level. What we have now is imperfect and dim, sometimes feels like a long-distance relationship. We don't sense God clearly. But if you think of a time when you felt really close to God, you can expect to experience that kind of a closeness to God, except far better in the new earth. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He's talking about the, new, the future age, the age to come. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. In heaven, we will see God face to face. 22 verse 4, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. And one of the most beautiful sights in heaven must be looking in the mirror and seeing his name on your forehead. And any doubt about whether you really belong to God or whether he really cares about you personally will be eradicated forever. We will experience the full presence of God The heart of God is, is to be with his people. And ever since the fall, he, God has never been with his people to the extent that he has wanted to be. And that will change in heaven. The tabernacle of God is with men. God himself will be with them and be their God. And being in his presence and seeing him face to face will be the best part of heaven. It, it is really what makes it heaven. In your presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16 and 11. And I believe we will experience his presence everywhere in heaven. I don't think you'll feel less near to God, whether you're in the New Jerusalem or out climbing the mountain from which John saw the New Jerusalem coming, out of, coming down from the heavens. So in conclusion, in heaven, we will experience the fullness of what God intended for us. We won't be just sitting on puffy clouds and strumming our harps, but instead we'll be living with God in the new earth in the way he originally intended us to become. There are several ways this study has impacted me. One of them is... Of course, the um, it will be worth it all part of this. That's a good reminder. And, and looking at this and seeing something that to me looks, I can sort of wrap my mind around a little bit, um, makes me look forward to it more. So that's, that's one way this study has blessed me. Another thing that I thought of, and I don't know if you think of things like this, but it reminded me, that not all of my hopes and dreams for this life have to be fulfilled. I mean, things on my bucket list, if I don't get to them, it's not that big of a deal. It's not an eternal loss, right? There are other things of eternal consequence that, that would need to come first. 
Um, not everything has to be fulfilled in this life because it's not the end. It's not the end. We have a new earth to look forward to. Um, and then the, the final, maybe this is the most important part, is, is I think this, uh, looking at heaven and the new earth and, and God's coming down from heaven to live with us, to me it shows us who God's heart, who he is, how much he cares about us, that he would leave his place to live with us on this, on a new earth. Um, to see that this is who God is and this is how much he cares about him. It makes that invitation at the end there in chapter 22 even more compelling. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So we've been talking a lot about the future, but of course there is a here and now aspect to all of this, which is responding to that invitation and, um, and seeking God and looking forward to heaven and, uh, and being faithful to him. God bless you.